0: <Draw>. <laughs> Come on. Come on.
1: Welcome to Come On Sunday Podcast. It is absolutely 2 a.m. in the morning. And I just walked in the house. I went out. I watched the uh, NFL playoffs with my guys. My friends. And I had a good time. I smoked cigars, as I usually do, to the detriment of my health. I'm not going to lie about it. I need to chill out smoking cigars, right? I smoked like three cigars tonight, maybe four. I drank some bourbon, and I decided to come home and get on my podcast thing and get into my studio and podcast. And I realized when I came home that you are who you are. I know it's cliche, y'all. I really do. I really do understand that. That's cliche. But once you realize who you are, then you're a better person. And a lot of people are not going to understand who you are. You got to know who you are. You can't worry about people worrying about who you are. If you're married, you're single, you're lucky, you have to remain who you are. See who I am, I'm a social person. I'm not a homebody at all. I've always thought that my home is where I rest my head. Sometimes I stay in the house just to keep away from beef. I work from home. I stay home to appease my wife. That's who I am. I'm a social person. And I've always been social. From as long as I can remember, I've been social. Can I take y'all for a little trip through my life? I grew up in Queens, New York. I was born in Brooklyn in Cumberland Hospital. I lived in Brooklyn till I was six. And then we moved to Queens. But as long as I can remember, I've been an entertainer. When I was five or six years old, I'ma have to ask my mother, Big Vi, what age I was when I hosted the entire circus for my grade school. I might've been in the second or third grade. And they gave me the job of being the ringmaster for the circus for the whole school. My public school, which we called in the New York, PS 147 went from the first grade to the five, fifth grade. And my job was to know what every circus act was from the first, second, third, fourth and fifth grade. And they gave me the cards, and I memorized it. I didn't need the cards. My mother made me a jacket. I had on some long shorts, some Chuck Taylor sneakers, black and white, and a top hat, and a shirt, and a bow tie. And I memorized every single act from every single grade. So. At my age right now, I will tell y'all that I was either fifty five years ago or fifty four years ago, depending on whether I was six and I was five. Do the math to tell where I'm at right now. And on February twelfth of two thousand twenty four, I'll be sixty one years old. And I don't I don't shy away from my age because with the invent of the internet. And where we are right now, all y'all can Google it. I was born February 12th, 1963. Before a lot of you were even thought about. But that's how long I've been on stage. I've been on stage a long time. I remember getting a report card. And I was supposed to get skipped in school. And the teacher said, Ed's attentive, Ed's smart. But Ed is a person that needs a lot of attention. So we're not gonna skip him because he's disruptive. I was disruptive because I was an entertainer. I entertain my class when I finish my work before everybody. I entertain my school. Sometimes to my detriment. I'm not the smartest guy, I don't claim to be the smartest guy. I know what I know and I know what I don't know. But I know that I am what I am. And I've always known this. I've always known that I was born to be an entertainer. And if you are who you are, when you get to a certain point, you're comfortable with it. I'm comfortable being who I am. Where I am right now at this moment is a person that's tired of not being in control of my own life. I work for Odyssey. My podcast is on Odyssey. But I'm not in total control of my life, and I don't think anybody is. I think Jeff Bezos, who runs Amazon, has the answer to a board. If he does certain things... That's not going to make money. If the stock goes down crazy, they're going to ask him to step down. Diddy has revolt. When all these accusations came out, he had to pay Cassie that money. The board of revolt said, you got to step back. So you're never really truly, no matter how much money you have, in control. Never. Beyonce's not in total control because it's on y'all whether or not y'all buy tickets, buy records, like her records. So it's always a gamble. But if you are who you are, then you're comfortable in your own skin. That's all I think anybody wants to be is comfortable in their own skin. It took me a long time to figure out exactly who I am. Um, As a comedian, I asked Chris Rock. Chris Rock had a movie called Top 5. I did a press junket, and I did a roundtable discussion with Chris about that movie. And then at the end of the Top 5, I asked him for advice on being a stand-up. He said, Ed, it took me a long time to figure my voice Your voice is who you are, bro. Bernie Mac told me, Ed Lover, Mac Man is telling you it's going to take you some time to figure out who you are. Rip Michaels, God bless you, Rip. Rip went through some heart problems and he almost passed. That's the cat that told me I need to do stand-up. My cousin, Talent, who's one of the greatest comedians I've ever seen, but not on the level of all the people Cat Williams talked about. He's not there, but he makes a living doing comedy. Told me, Ed, you are who you are. That's who you are. Talk about who you are. That's all I know is me, my experiences, my life. My radio show just got picked up for syndication. It's called the Ed Lover Experience because my experience is mine and only mine. And your experience is yours and only yours. I hate the fact that I don't have control of my own destiny, but who does? Who does? We are approaching the birthday of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. A man who did not have to get into civil rights, he's good. He's good. At nineteen years old, I didn't graduate from Morehouse. He did. I didn't have a father that ran one of the biggest churches in Atlanta or New York. He did. He's a preacher. He's a man of God, a man of the Bible. He could have took that route. But he saw, some of y'all can say route. He saw something that was missing in the black community. And he decided to stand up for black people. He was who he was. He was assassinated by the CIA at the age of 39 because he spoke upon the Vietnam War. He went away from what was going on with African-Americans or Negroes as they called us in the 60s. It spoke upon the atrocities that was going on with Americans period in the Vietnam War. Malcolm X and Dr. Martin Luther King had secret meetings where they was coming together because Malcolm X went on his hajj. And he came back El Malik El Shabazz. And for the first time in his life, he realized that all white people were not the devils. And him and King were coming together. So they assassinated the king and then they assassinated Malcolm. But if you're willing to give your life for the movement, you are who you are. You can change that's just the top layer because you were what you were when you was born player and I understand that about myself and I understand that about most people people that commit mass shootings that's who they are that's exactly who they are people that were murderers Serial killers, that's not nothing that just came about. That's who they are. If you work on yourself enough, you can change who you are. But sometimes in life, you are who you are from birth. And I truly believe that I am who I am. My mother always tells me, baby, that's who you were from the day you were born. And I believe that. My brothers, Kelvin, my brother, Thomas Larry, my sister, Sonia, Geneva, they were not who they were from the day they were born. I was. I've been talking since I was eight months or seven months old. It all depends on what you ask my mother. She will tell you, I've been a talker. So talking has been what I do so I am what I am if you are what you are you can get to a point where you're comfortable right I'm to a point where I'm not trying to explain who I am anymore when I go out somebody recognizes me it doesn't happen every day from 89 to maybe 2000 it was constant now Time has moved on. People have gotten older. The young kids, they don't know who I am. They don't know my contribution to hip-hop. They don't know anything about me, and I don't expect them to, because that requires study. That requires history, which is taken out of our school system. When I was a kid, and I was in junior high school, playing music, Everybody knew who everybody that came before us was because that music was played on the radio. That's not the case anymore. Radio now is big business. It's not local owners and local music. It was, it's not Paola either. But Paola did us a justice because we got the best music. Even though the company didn't get paid, and the DJ got paid for the music. They only played great music. I remember growing up in New York listening to a man named Frankie Crocker, who was indicted for payola. But Frankie only took money to play the best music. So all I got was the best music. Every night at eight o'clock, on the dot, Frankie would play Moody's Mood for Love. That was his sign off record. There I go, there I go, there I go. This is my experience. Wherever you're from, you have a different experience. Some of us can remember when hip hop was never played on the radio. Some of us can remember when hip hop was only Friday night and Saturday night. So if you hear me talk about the impact your MTV Raps had on the culture, it's because I know it was an international phenomenon. It wasn't local. It wasn't regional. It wasn't national. It was an international phenomenon. And I'm proud of that. But that's just what my life journey was supposed to be because I am who I am. And that's all I can ever be. I don't have time to stand in front of somebody that I see in the mall and say, what's up, Ed Lover? And I say, what's up? And they got their kids. Y'all don't know who this is. They not supposed to know. You know what I say to that? Ed, tell them who you are. Google me. If I'm not important to you, that's fine. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the week, the end of the second, and in a minute. When my bills are due, they're due. And you knowing me or not knowing me as a child, 10, 11, 12, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, doesn't like, help me pay my bills. It's you. The people that remember when the music was pure. You got some people out there that I've seen. On Instagram and Facebook, they can't tell time without a digital clock. They can't tell time unless they look at it on their phone. They don't know what quarter to eight is on a the clock. They don't know what 415 is on the clock. They don't know what 325 is on the clock. It's because of when they grew up, and I'm not faulting them for that. They don't even know how to write scripts. I'm not faulting them for that. I'm faulting society, but I am what I am and they are what they are. Some people are able to get to a point where they're able to change. And that's the beauty of social media. The downside of social media is too much information, too much nonsense, too much stuff that doesn't mean a thing to you. Too much flooding of bullshit that keeps your mind away from what's real and what's really happening in the world. But if we didn't have social media, we didn't know about George Floyd, Sandra Bland, or anybody that's being abused by the police because we did not have camera phones. But the police that do that, They are what they are. They're racist. And racism is prevalent in America, whether America wants to believe it or not. It's there, it's in our face, it's obvious. But if we thought about it, every day of our lives as black people, we would lose our shit. Because we would never be happy. And we have to find happiness. Happiness comes in your family. It comes from yourself first. So be who you are, y'all. If you know who you are, be who you are. It's cool. I don't have to agree with you, you don't have to agree with me. I don't have to love you, you don't have to love me. I have to like you, you don't have to like me. Lift came out on Friday on Netflix, I put up post. About the movie. I enjoyed it. Do you know how many negative reactions I got to my post? I don't like Kevin Hart. I don't think he's funny. I ah, 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 ah. Frankly, I don't give a fuck what you think. Like you said when you put up your post, your post is your post. If you're having fun in Costa Rica, Panama, Germany, France, the Netherlands, and you post it. If I don't think that I care, I don't comment. Commenting on somebody's shit and telling them that you don't care, you care. Because if you didn't care, you wouldn't take the time to write about it, right? So when I first started, come on, son, and... I didn't know how to Chiron. When I was on MTV, they used to put our names on the screen. I didn't know how to do that. And I had something to say in in my mind. I took a term that was popular in New York. The term was, come on, son. Like, really, and for those who don't live in New York, never grew up in New York, son was not like you was telling somebody it was your child. It was like, you're my man, your son, for real. But a lot of people do not understand that. So I put Come On, Son on the cardboard, and I flashed it on the screen because it's the only way I knew how to get my point across. And I gave it to my man, Money now who at the time was working for 50 Cent. And this is 50.com was hot. And they put it up on this is 50.com. And this shit got like 50,000 views. But the comments were torching me. Who the fuck he think he is? What does that old nigga know? That nigga's like something, something, something. Fuck Ed Lover. And I read it and I was appalled. I was hurt. And Nels told me, fuck him. They watched it. Give me another one. And that's how it started. If you go on your Apple phone and you put come on, son, in there and you're looking for a meme, you'll see 50 Cent in a short video holding up the sign and say, come on, son. That's what he did for me. And I'll never, ever forget it. And I'm thankful for it for a long time. Forever, actually. He did something for me. I had every fucking artists that came through that radio station hold up that sign and say, come on, son. I had regular people, boxers, doctors, lawyers, housewives, mothers, fathers, kids, holding that cardboard and sending it to me that said, come on, son. This is a long time ago. It gave me a new life. But that's who I was, an organic phenomenon. Even to the point where ESPN started Come On Man, and I sent them a cease and desist letter. And every time Come On Man goes on during the NFL season, I get a check. The most organic thing I've ever done in my life because that's who I was and I understood that I am what I am. And if you are who you are, you understand your voice. I'm not concerned with anybody else's podcast, but I don't like the fact that I'm not in control of my own destiny. I went and I did an interview with Haitian Jack with a young lady that I thought understood this business. But she doesn't. She's more worried about recouping her money. But wants to use my podcast as a platform to do it. But doesn't want to give me my audio. That's all I asked for, the audio. You can have the video. So now I have to wait until she drops the video. And I told her, I want you to get your money back. But you're not going to hold me up. It's supposed to come out on Friday. It didn't. I had to go legal. And I'm not disparaging her character in any way, shape or form. All I'm saying is I will never go into another interview where I don't control the narrative. Thank God I didn't sign any kind of release form because I did not control the narrative. what she did is give me a direct line to Agent Jack. Agent Jack and I are going to do some stuff that she's not involved with. Because if you don't know the business, stop trying to be the head coach. I can't go and tell Steve Kerr. I can't go go and tell tell Jason Williams. I can't go and tell Umege. Adoka, Eric Spolstrom. I can't go and tell Andy Reid or Bill Belichick or even Nick Saban in college or Jim Harbaugh in Michigan how to run the team because I've never done it. So if you've never done it, how are you going to tell me what to do? And I'm a 30-year vet. Stay in your lane. If you are who you are, you're comfortable with who you are. Krista Hayes is a gem that I found. And she introduced me to Camp P. Camp P is a gem that I found because of Krista. Liz Smith, Liz two times, is a gem that I found that was put in front of me because of V103 in Atlanta. These are young, smart, fucking, incredible people who know who they are. They know who they are. I know who I am, and they know who they are. But Russell Simmons once told me that you have to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. That's what I try to do. Dan Smalls, my manager, way smarter than me. We get into arguments a lot because I try to control my own destiny. I don't like to wait. I've been through so many meetings in my life when nothing came of it. I feel like it's a waste of my time. And I understand that my best days are behind me. And not in front of me. So I'm going to make the most of the life that I have left because I know who I am. I heard Taraji talk about not getting the money that she deserves and she cried about it. But you got to push. You know why she did that? Because she knows who she is. You know why Viola Davis spoke about Winning every award that is possible to win and still not getting this money that white people get because she knows who she is. And it's frustrating as fuck to know that you're talented, to know that you are equal to any fucking body else doing what you do but not getting the money you deserve. Because we do this to make a living. It's another stream of income for me. If I could do Broadway, my goal of 2023 was to do at least one film a year, and I did. I had more than one, but the strike happens. That's something that's not in my control. I had, well, I still got a Christmas movie that I'm hoping it's selling this year. That's supposed to be sold two years ago. But I don't get frustrated about that because Ice Cube once told me, yeah, ride along for 10 years before it, be- before it became a movie. The guy that produced Ray and owed the story to the Ray Charles biopic had that shit for 20 years before it became a movie and before he got Jamie Foxx attached to it, that's dedication. So if my shit take a year, two years, three years, four years, five years, to come to fruition, I'm happy with it, but I learned a lesson. And the lesson that I learned is, stick to your fucking guns and be who you are, man. Be who you are, woman. Be who you are, teenager. Be who you are. If you make mistakes, you have an opportunity always to correct those mistakes. You have the opportunity to grow. You have the opportunity to elevate. You have the opportunity to be better. You have the opportunity as long as you rise up and the sun shines and you're alive You have another day to be great, another day to shine. You ever notice that the moon and the sun never argues with each other? Because they all have their time to shine. The moon shines at night, sun shines in the daytime. Sometimes it's cloudy, sometimes it's not. Sometimes you look outside, it's a full moon. Sometimes cloudy as fuck, you don't even see the moon. But it's there. So understand who you are and relish in the fact that you're somebody great. I know identical twins and they are not the same person. They look the same. They share the same DNA but they're not the same person. Nobody on this earth is like you. You're one of one. So if you are who you say you are a superstar Then have no fear because the cameras are always going to be there. I'm going to take a quick break. Then I'm going to come back. It's come on, son, the podcast. Come on, son, son. Call from
0: mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Ooh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal?
1: I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange.
0: Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. plus. Hmm. How's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So, what went wrong? Oh, nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. The choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24+, plus with Galaxy A.I. on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See ATG.com slash Samsung for details.
1: This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is being brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. With eBay Authenticity Guaranteed, you know you're getting the real deal. Whether you're looking for a head-turning handbag or watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gym, or sneakers and streetwear that makes every step feel fly. It's like the first time I was looking for them Jordan 1s, like when they really came out and I couldn't get my hands on them, and it was something about that sneaker that I always wanted to have cuz I never got it in the very 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 beginning. I fell in love with that sneaker, and when I finally got it, oh baby. These days to know for sure you're getting the real deal, go straight to eBay when you're searching. Just look for that blue check mark. It will say authenticity guarantee. That means when you buy it, you can be confident that it's authenticated by real experts. You got to get it from eBay because then you know you got the real deal. Now you know that when something is limited and you can't find it, you can find it on eBay. Listen, when you're finally ready to buy that thing that you love, you have to make sure you're not going to catch a fake. They're everywhere, and it's really tough to tell the difference for yourself. With eBay authenticity guaranteed, that's easy. So, again, look for the blue check mark. That way, when it hits your doorstep, not only do you know it's real, but that feeling you get when you put it on is also for real. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit eBay.com for terms. <laughs> Come on, son, son. Back with more Come On Son, the podcast. If you are who you are. Um, some of us out here, a lot of us, I'm just gonna say a lot. I'm I'm gonna say a huge amount of people in this country, probably excluding my wife, are huge ass football fans. Like crazy, crazy football fans, right? And um, because we're all football fans, we were all riveted to watching these playoffs unfold. And going into playoff mode, Dallas Cowboys were the number two-seeded team. And on the last game of the season, Green Bay won the, whatever game they played. I can't remember who they played. And they found themselves in the number seven seed in the playoffs, and they played the Dallas Cowboys. Where do I begin to tell you how bad this game was? Where can, where can I start with this Dallas Cowboys franchise? I am not a Dallas Cowboy fan. I'm not a fan of the team. That's not my favorite team. My favorite team is their rivals. My favorite team is the New York Giants. But I have this thing that's inside of me that I root for the NFC East. I root for black quarterbacks. I do. I root for black quarterbacks. I root for Patrick Mahomes. I root for Jalen Hurts. I root for Dak Prescott. I root for um, all the black quarterbacks. The black quarterback in Baltimore, um, for some reason, that man's name always always gets past me. I don't know why I can never remember his name. Hold on, y'all. Let me look it up real quick. Lamar Jackson. I don't know why I can never remember his name. Well, I root for him in every other black quarterback in the NFL. For so many years they said the black quarterback could not make it. They would not let black people play quarterback. It had got so bad that Joe Gilliam was the starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers back in the days. Uh, Terry Bradshaw used to back him up. They said the man had an arm like a cannon. The mm-hmm. pressure of the racism in, in Pittsburgh was so bad that it turned Joe Gilliam into drugs, and then he lost his starting spot. And then Terry Bradshaw went on, and we know what Terry Bradshaw did as a Pittsburgh Steeler. We don't need to regurgitate that right now. But the black quarterback was always somehow, some way, given a bad image, or saying they couldn't do this. Even in the Michael Vick days, we know what happened with Michael Vick and the dog uh, fighting ring. And Michael Vick needs to stay in the pocket. Michael Vick can't run. You just can't be a running quarterback in this league. But, you know, now the Buffalo Bills starting quarterback, does it, and he runs like a motherfucker. Don't nobody say nothing. Now it's normal. In in 2023, 24, you see Jalen Hurts running. You see Patrick Mahomes take off. You know, Russell Wilson takes off. You see cats running and you see white boys running. Now, they, oh, my God, he's such great this, that, and the third. But when Tom Brady was still playing, they was talking about pocket passer. You got to have a pocket passer. Justin Fields, another one. Desmond Ritter's another one. You got to have a pocket passer. You just can't win with that kind of style of football until Patrick Mahomes won two goddamn uh, NFL championships, right, Super Bowl championships. But when white boys do it, it's okay. When black guys do it, for so many years, that's not going to work. At quarterbacks. So I do root for black quarterbacks and I do root for the NFC East because my Giants are in the NFC East and we were horrible, 6 and 11. We didn't do anything. I knew we weren't going to make the playoffs. I saw it at the beginning of the year. So I didn't get too uh, enthusiastic about which way this season was going to turn out. Not like Dallas Cowboy fans. And anybody will tell you this it's not the Cowboys, it's their fan base, it's the Weedham boys. It's the it's that we're going to the Super Bowl, no doubt. This is our year, blah blah. And then when you bring up last year, what happened to you last year? Oh, that was uh, what happened the year before that. Oh, uh, da, da 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 da. We were twelve and five though. Where's your team? And I always say this: I'd rather know that my team stinks at the beginning of the season than get all the way there, become a twelve and five team, get to the first game of the playoffs, and get knocked out, and not just knocked out. They got embarrassed. The defense didn't do shit. The offense didn't do shit. The special teams didn't do shit. Mike McCarthy got outcoached. You are who you are. And if you are who you say you are, then you have to live up to that. This was the best year for the Dallas Cowboys to do something. We knew the Philadelphia Eagles weren't going to do shit. Shout out to Gilly and Million Dollars Worth of Game. But Gilly, I don't know who the fuck told you something. or maybe you just blind. Because they lost the last, what, heck, going into the playoffs, five out of six games, y'all wasn't doing shit. Y'all let, y'all let the Giants beat you like you stole something, and the Giants were trash. And that's my team. But still, I'm rooting for Jalen Hurts. Still, I'm rooting for Dak Prescott. Come on, NFC East, let's make it to the Super Bowl. Because it's just like our, we've been called the NFC least for so long. And then what does Dallas do? Have an opportunity to play two home games, during the playoffs and get their ass kicked. I'm not talking about what the final score was, 48 to 32. They got their ass kicked, y'all. It, that shit wasn't even close. And the Dak gets in the press. Uh, Dak Prescott gets into a press conference after that and goes, "I played, I, I stunk tonight. Yeah, you stunk. You stink every playoff game, though, bro. Every playoff game. Now they have a decision to make. They do. They keep the coach. Is it the coach's fault?" Dan Quinn was the offensive coordinator. I mean, defensive coordinator, your defense didn't do shit. So if people are looking at you like, let's give him another shot at head coaching, they might might change their mind now because your defense was good the whole season. That game, it looked like Green Bay knew what the fuck y'all was going to do. And then even at the halftime when it was 27-0, y'all had no answer. You had no answer. The Dallas Cowboys football team since 1995 has been a fucking letdown and a fraud. You're a fraud. You can't beat good teams. You can't. Over 500 teams you can't beat. It's almost like I hear footsteps, baby, in the dark, like by the Isley brothers, right? Like, you feel a boogeyman creeping up on you, and y'all don't know what to do. Like, and come on, Philadelphia. I want no better. 32 to 9 at the hands of Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay. Didn't even get a home game because y'all blew it because you lost so miserably at the end of the season. What a freaking letdown. These teams, they really are. They really are who they are, y'all. They just really, like, seriously, this is really bad, bad teams. Just, Just horrible. And when you've been waiting for so long for something to happen, when you've been waiting and praying so long for a championship, it really hurts. The Dallas Mavericks haven't won anything since Dirk was there. That's the last time they won. Dallas Cowboys haven't won anything since 1995. Well, One more chance by Biggie was hot. Illmatic was out. People's Instinctive Travels by a Tribe Called Quest was out. We talking Bonita Apple Applebaum, you gotta put me on. That's when y'all was hot. When Michael Irvin and damn near the whole team was snorting cocaine. That's when y'all was hot. Emmitt Smith is laughing. Michael Irvin be on TV. He loves y'all. Can't win. Stephen A. Smith gets a kick out of the collapse every year. He says it every year. I say it every year. I'm not on TV like he is, but I say it to all my Cowboy fans. Y'all are going to implode. Oh, we 12 and 5. We looking better. I was like, "Mm mm-mm, you're going to implode. It's going to either happen in the first round or second round. I expected it to happen if they got to the NFC Championship game against San Francisco. I did not expect it to happen in the first round, when every commentator on every channel said Dallas. You know how they go around? Howie, who you got? Michael, who you got? Coach, who you got? Everybody was Dallas, 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 Dallas. They thought Dallas would put up. Dallas was averaging 40 points a game at home. It was like, they are gonna walk up and down the field on Green Bay, who has the youngest team age-wise to ever play a playoff game. Jordan Love, black quarterback again, first playoff game as a starter for the Green Bay Packers, and they bust y'all ass. Like, not, You know what? I could have took it if Green Bay would have got to, like, the, the 47 or 46-yard line with two seconds left on the clock, kicked the field goal, and they beat Dallas by the skin of their teeth. I could have took that better. I'm not a fan, and I was yelling at the TV at my boy Drew Bell's house, like, what the fuck are you doing, Dallas? I could have took that loss better. I know Dallas fans couldn't take no loss, but that loss would have been better than just getting blown the fuck out. Remember the year of, of, of clock management? The best year that y'all had, I've seen... Um, All the smoke, Stack and my man. And they was talking about this, and they were like, if you had one game, who would you rather have as your quarterback, Tony Romo or Dak Prescott? And he didn't he asked Stack that question. He didn't ask me. So I had to really think about it. And then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna take Tony Romo. Because if they were to call, he threw a beautiful pass to Des Bryant, and they called that a not not a catch. And that's one of those things that's because they were on their way to the Super Bowl after that. That's one of the most debated calls in probably Dallas Cowboy history when they said that was not a catch. Dallas, you are who you are. This team with Dak Prescott is a fraudulent team. Dak Prescott has proved once again he's an in-season quarterback and he's not a playoff quarterback. He looked timid. He looked scared. He looked confused. That's not the look that you want from your starting quarterback in the playoffs. You need a confident quarterback that you could say is going to do whatever it takes even if he has to die on that field to make sure that you win that game. And that is not what you got looking in the eyes of Dak Prescott. That is not what you got. He looked shook daddy in the words of Mob Dick. Shook 'Cause ain't no such things as halfway crooks. Scared to death and scared to look. Dak is shook. They did not know. You know who they are? I'm gonna tell you who they are. I told somebody this the other night. They are that heavyweight champion from Brooklyn. You know the one that used to wear all the masks and let me look it up. Let me look him up. Let me look him up. In my quest to look this guy up, his name is Deontay Wilder. Here are some heavyweight, these are saying the five best heavyweight boxers ever from Brooklyn, New York. You know Mike Tyson is in there, right? Of course you do. Okay, Shannon Briggs, that's my man, Shannon the Cannon Briggs, Michael Mora was from Brooklyn, Riddick Bowe, Big Daddy Bowe, Right And who else they got in here? Floyd did, uh, Patterson at number two, and then Iron Mike Tyson at number one. Deontay Wilder, they don't even have him as a, the top five best heavyweight champions in Brooklyn. Deontay Wilder had a great right hand. But if he can't get you with that right hand, and you weren't scared of his right hand, and you can withstand his right hand, he ain't know what the fuck to do. And that's exactly who the Dallas Cowboys are. Dallas Cowboys come out, punch you in your mouth, and expect you to fall. But if you don't fall, the Dallas Cowboys don't know what to do if they get hit hard in their face first. That's the same thing the Gypsy King did to Deontay Wilder. When he put Deontay Wilder on his ass on that canvas, he didn't know what to do. And the first thing he did when he got up after he lost his heavyweight championship is – um, he fired he fired Mark Breland. Mark Breland was his trainer. He fired Mark Breland. He ain't won since. It wasn't Mark Breland's fault. It was your fault. You ain't shit. And you just like the Dallas Cowboys. You got a glass jaw. Once somebody cut, and that's exactly what Green Bay did. They walked down that street in Dallas, marched down that field in ATT Stadium, took the ball. Most people defer because they want to get that ball at the top of the second half. They said, nah, we'll take the ball. We're going to receive and score it on the first drive in 75 yards. And from that moment on, Dallas had no idea what to do. I don't know what was talked about at halftime when it was 27 down, but that score was garbage time. That score don't reflect it. They couldn't catch up. So Green Bay was like, yeah, just let let them win. And when they thought maybe Dallas can do a little something, after they took out Aaron Jones, who ran all over them, their running back for Green Bay, they put them back in. It was like, all right, let's seal the deal, because they looking like they're going to try to do a little something. Two onside kicks and all kind of shit that just did not work. They got totally obliterated. Totally obliterated. It was shameful. It was disgusting. And as I podcast today, We don't know what's the future of any of them dudes. The big three, Dak Prescott, Mike McCarthy, and Dan Quinn. Now, the only thing that you can say is it's so hard to find a good quarterback. I should know. We gave Daniel Jones on the New York Giants the team that I root for. I call it my team. My team. Uh, I, I say we too, just like everybody else. But I know I shouldn't. I never played for the Giants, but my team that I root for gave an unproven quarterback who had more interceptions than touchdowns in his career so far a hundred and forty million dollar contract. That's what that's what the New York Giants did. The New York Giants are so dumb they drafted a quarterback out of Duke University. Who drafts quarterbacks out of Duke University? We go to Duke University for basketball, not football. And Daniel Jones is not a good quarterback, in my opinion. Dak Prescott is a much better quarterback than Daniel Jones is. So it's hard to find good quarterbacks. But here's the problem. Because like I said, if you are who you are, do you give Dak Prescott that extension and make him the highest paid player in the NFL? Do you keep Mike McCarthy, who gave you three seasons of 12 and 5, it's hard to win 12 football games in the NFL. Three seasons in a row? Do you get rid of Dan Quinn, who's looked like he was lost in the sauce as a defensive coordinator? Or did Dan Quinn hand this? Because as the head coach, you should know what the defense is going to do before the game starts. So did he hand this scheme to uh, Mike McCarthy? And Mike McCarthy said, yeah, that's 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 good. Let's go with it. Because I promise y'all, Matt LaFleur and the Green Bay Packers made it look like they knew exactly what the Dallas Cowboys were going to do. You got Tony Pollard, who's the running back, that wants a new contract. You got C.D. Lamb, who wants a new contract. You got Dak Prescott, who's up for a new contract extension. What is going to happen in Dallas? And Philly, y'all got the same questions. The defensive coordinator left. You got Matt Patricia in there who looks wonderful, and your defense fucking sucked. The NFC East is, again, the NFC least. It sucked. Houston looked wonderful. C.J. Stroud is a rookie. The number two overall pick, which puts me in the mind frame that the Carolina Panthers are fucking stupid for taking Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud. Jordan loves his first real playoff game, bro. He sat behind Aaron Rodgers. It looks like Green Bay knows how to get quarterbacks, which is the most important part. Not the only part, but the most important part of your football team. Everybody, you got to have a great defense. You got to have a great offensive line, and you got to have a great quarterback. And you got to have somebody that the quarterback can throw the ball to that can get separation. Great tight ends, serviceable receivers, (laughs) are good but damn Houston's rolling Miami home for the holidays Philly home for the holidays Dallas home for the holidays Kansas City's rolling along Buffalo's rolling along Pittsburgh home for the holidays Mike McCarthy just told the owners of Pittsburgh, yes, I want to be the head coach here next year. He got one more year left on his deal. He looks stressed out. What happens with Bill Belichick? Who takes him? Does he go to Dallas? He interviewed for the Falcons job. Falcons finally gets rid of Arthur Smith, which was smart. I don't call for nobody to get fired, but Arthur Smith didn't. I could tell he didn't know what he was doing. For real. He just... He was Arthur Blank, who owns the team's um, – <coughs> Arthur Smith's father's his best friend. He had no business being a head coach. He wasn't ready. He should have been a coordinator or something on somebody's professional team before he got that job. But now they're talking about Bill Belichick. Now they're talking about Jim Harbaugh. His brother John is the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens, and they rolling. They are rolling. So we're gonna see if people really, truly, honestly, one hundred percent know who they are. And If they ain't fronting, if they if they are who they say that they are, and that's the hardest part of it is to be who you say you are. Take another break. We come back with more. Come on, son. The podcast. Come on, son, son. Back with more. Come on, son. The podcast, I just got some news that Diddy has turned down an invitation to the Grammys. His first nomination he's had in 20 years. And at one point, the Grammys said they were having problems having people that want to sit next to Diddy. And, you know, he sued um, Diageo over what he believed was them being racist towards the brand on that he was involved with. You know the whole Ciroc story, right? You know... Diageo was smart enough to make it look like Diddy owned Ciroc. And a lot of people went for it. And Siroc was pretty popular for a long time. And then he got his hands on a tequila that they have called Deleon. And then um, he accused them of not backing Deleon the way they back Cosmigos. But well, Cosmigos is selling like crazy. Deleon, I got a bottle downstairs in my mm, I'm not fond of it. It's it's okay, but there's way better tequilas out on the market than Daly So he went to take them to court and then all of this shit started happening to him with Cassie and all the sexual assaults and rape charges and, you know, civil suits. And they just, I guess they told him, that's it. We don't want you to have nothing to do with none of our brands. None. And it's a wrap. And he had to step down as Revolt. Chairman and, and president and all that. It's just been it's been a horrible time for that dude, man. A horrible, horrible time. Then you got 50 that's on his neck all the time. You got the, the accusations against TD Jakes, and then he goes on and, and, and gets into a pulpit and goes, Have you ever been swallowed? Have that wasn't a good fucking word to use, y'all. Have you been swallowed? It, is, it, is, it does look funny when T.D. Jakes is at a ditty party. It does. Because, you know, that's not the kind of thing a man of God is really supposed to be at. And, you know, people was like, he's only there for two reasons. Either he's trying to get some money, and if you're trying to get some money, you can have a dinner or something with the dude at a party, or he's there for sex. And then all of these rumors start coming out that he's a power bottom Y'all know what the power about him, right? He's not the fucker, or he's the fucky, to put it to you in plain and simple English. He's the one that likes to get fucked in the ass. I don't know any other way to say it, cause that's what it pretty much is, right? Sexually, he's taking it in his ass. That's what they're saying about him, you know. And then he goes on and talks over a whole bunch of bullshit. You know how these these dudes are, man. Y'all already know what time it is already, man. Money, power, respect. That's all. People care about, they will, their morals go out the window. And that's when you people are proving who they are. Not who they say they are, but who they really fucking are. Because I had, uh, I think I had uh, words from the OG the other day that said if you really want to see a person's character, give that person's, their true character, give that person some power. And then you'll see that person's really, true character how they act when they have power and pretty much that's what all of this shit is about it's about power when you put your hands on somebody that doesn't want you to put your hands on them that's nothing but power like you feel like you own that person so you feel like you're untouchable by law you feel like you could do whatever you want to do because you want to do it it's a deep-rooted problem with men who rape women who go overboard with their sexual advances it really is it's it's, it's a deep rooted problem there with that person that not with the woman but with the man like if a woman tells you she's not interested you got to be you got to be cool with that and you should not be hanging any woman's job that she was overly qualified for within your organization over her head because she don't want to fuck you. And she might want to fuck the dude in the mailroom. But just she's not attracted to you. Maybe this woman stands on her morals and does not mix business with pleasure, because we all know how sloppy that can turn out to be. I understand you guys are going on these big business retreats, and you one of those CEOs of a major record label, you want to take all your workers somewhere to the Maldives or something for a work play retreat and all of this stuff is going on. And you're drinking and you're having a good time and all of that. I get it, but you have to understand every woman ain't attracted to you. She ain't, and you don't have a right, no matter how much, what kind of position you put her in in the company, how much money you spent on whatever, you don't have a right to rape her You don't have a right to touch her inappropriately. You don't have a right to palm her ass when you give her a hug. You don't have that right. And in turn, she doesn't have a right to put her hands on you inappropriately. She doesn't. It works both ways. So I'm telling you, the true character of a man is when you give him power. That's when you see their true character come out. Not when they're on their way up, but when they get there and get some power, they'll do anything to stay in power. We have a presidential candidate that just won the Republican Iowa caucuses who has like 90-something indictments or something, or something with 96 charges or some shit going on. And I just saw this thing with this white lady, and they just so pro-Trump. Trump knows how to take care of this and Biden is too old to be the president and blah, 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 man. This is the first time in this election year right now that I feel like one ain't even better than the other one. I really don't. I feel like if people run out and vote for Trump, it's just a vote against Biden. Not because he's the better candidate. It's just, we don't want Biden. And I feel like that same way on the other side If we vote Biden in, it's just because we don't want Trump. That's how I feel about it. I don't think really either one of them are good candidates to be president. I think it's a power struggle. And when people wake the fuck up and just say, I'm human, not I'm right, not I'm left, not I'm dem, not I'm Republican, not I'm independent so i'm gonna vote for whatever independent candidate just say who is the best human being for this job who's going to do the best job for everyone in america because whoever that is still gonna have to deal with these two parties and this two-party system ain't working for us no more it's not it's fucked up the bottom line is we get shitting on every time the bottom line is During the pandemic, people lost a lot of money. I lost a lot of money during the pandemic, but the rich people just got richer and richer and richer. I got asked to take a pay cut during the pandemic and I was supposed to get my money back. And then I championed the pay cut. And then when it came time for me to get my money back, I was in a, uh, I was right in the middle of negotiating my contract and they never gave me my money back. Never. That's why I was like, yo, if there's anybody ever come to me for some other shit, I'm telling them no. I'm telling them negative. That shit was fucked up. That shit hurt me to my core, yo. I was on the phone with the PD and I need you on this. Everybody looks up to you. Blah, blah, blah. This is for the betterment of the company. We don't have revenue coming in right now. We need everybody to take a pay cut and then blah, blah, blah. After the pandemic, everybody going to get their money back the same way. The only motherfucker that didn't get his back was me, y'all. Ain't that some trifling ass shit? They used the contract that I was renegotiating to cut my salary, y'all. Wow. After I championed shit for them. After, after the, uh, um, when everybody was talking, you know, when everybody was up in arms and marching and shit like that, when, when all that stuff was going on, all the black marches for equality against the police, they had me on every white station that they have talking to different morning shows about why this is important and what this means for us and historically the kind of things that we went through so they could get a better understanding of what it's like to be black in America. Then they turn around and shit it on me. And sometimes that's what the fuck happens. More than once this shit has happened to me, y'all. But I'm resilient. You know, that's why this is important to me. Because this platform allows me to say what the fuck I wanna say, when I wanna say it, how I wanna say it. And that company that shall remain nameless and that person who did that to me, that shall remain nameless, really showed me who they were and who I thought they were from the beginning, and I should have stuck by my guns, knowing instead of trying to be some big-ass team player to get shitted on in the long run. If you are who you are and who you say you are, then be who you say you are. Because when we find out who you really are, we ain't fucking with you no more. For real. This is Ed Lover, man. This is Come on, son, the podcast. Y'all keep God first. Everything else will fall into place. I'll talk at you, with you, to you, and about your ass next week. Be good. If you can't be good, be careful. If you can't be careful, be a Dallas Cowboy. Until the next time we ride together, slide together, laugh out loud together, Ed Lover, Camp P, Krista Hayes saying God bless each and every one of y'all. Thank y'all so much for tuning me in and never tuning me out. I give you the good shit, never the bullshit. Right here on Come On, son the podcast. Until next week, Kill that, son. Fuck out of here with that bullshit. Peace. Come on, son, son. This
0: episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is produced, engineered, and edited by Cam Quotes and Krista Hayes. Recorded out of Atlanta, Georgia, this is an official Loudspeakers Network podcast brought to you by Ed Lover.